Broadcast live on D20 Radio's Justin TV channel. You're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and MapsOfMastery.com. Greetings and salutations, beautiful, wonderful Order 66 podcast listeners. My name's GM Dave. Oh, yeah, that pause. And today would be Monday, a weird Monday, October the 28th, 2013. And we are back for episode number 20 of the new Order 66 podcast, Fantasy Flight Edition. Hells yeah. Yeah. And as I said, I'm GM Dave, one of your hosts of this insane asylum we call the Order 66 podcast that you never listen to. The other voice you just heard, GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here. And for those who may be tuning in for the very first time, this is the Order 66 podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing. And uh, we have we have a, an exciting show, as we often do, but... Um, Got a lot of good content coming, including after a short hiatus, I, I must say, the triumphant return of a couple bits that we've been sorely lacking. Yeah, um, loser. You know, but but it's here now, and I'm happy, and I think if, if you're cool with it, we could, like, get into one of them right away, because I've missed it, and I want it. Like, I got a giant Jones for it. Is that cool? Are we Are we good? Are we... Are we you're Jonesing? I'm you're jo- Jonesing. I'm Jonesing hard. Hard. Right. Hardcore, man. And now... Stormtrooper poetry. I polish my armor day and night, making sure it stays so bright. So when inspection day arrives, and Captain Nita checks us with his eyes, with us all lined up nice and tight, he won't be able to tell which one of us tipped the outhouse over on him last night. Wasn't me, I swear. As far as you know. Stormtrooper poetry. And uh, not to be outdone, Dave, we have a rebuttal. Oh. And now, Stormtrooper Haiku. Rebel Haiku. The Far Horizon Calls to a Restless Soul. Binary Sunset. Rebel Haiku. (laughs) Of course. Oh, uh, thank you, Fiddy uh, and Darth Pseudonym. Oh man, I've missed that. It's fun. I know. They get better and better every time. Every single time. Every single time. Well, I think uh to kind of move the show along and kind of I don't I don't know, you wanna you wanna you wanna like just kick right into into some Let's Yeah? Go. Uh, okay, okay. Yes. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. Announcements, announcements. Ah, yes. 
the beautiful time of the show that we have like lots of good stuff to tell you. And boy, do we have uh, a bit, first, a bit this week. No joke. Yes. First and foremost, of course, we have our featured podcast of the week, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is one that we haven't mentioned as often as we should, and we are both fans of, and that is Geekhead Radio. They're devoted to gaming, comics, movies, basically the entire gamut of nerdery. Heels yeah. Preacher, Parian, and Courtney. Lay it all out in episode 27, which posted up recently. They talk about Mars, mutants, Guillermo del Toro, before they actually dig into one of our favorite new shows on television, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. Yes. They discuss fan love, fan rage, rumors. It's a good episode. You guys go check it out. And you can find that and lots of other great podcasts at www.d20radio.com. Okay, I know this is probably post-show fodder, but have you been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, I haven't. I really haven't, and I'm not, I don't have a good excuse. I just, I don't know when it's on, and I don't know what channel it's on, so. It's on, it's okay, first of all, who owns Disney? Oh, yeah. ABC. So it's on ESPN? So I should say Disney owns ABC, rather. So, it's on ABC, okay, and it's on Tuesday nights, and you've got to TiVo it. It's getting really good. So, just, just saying. It's it's getting good. Well, is is Kobe Smulders on there? Uh, occasionally, like she she had a cam- she's had a cameo in, in like a couple episodes, so she had a big cameo in the pilot. Well, if she's on the show, I'll watch. And she is in true okay. form too. So I'm just yeah. All right, she's on the list, you know. Okay, the black leather outfit isn't exactly as tight as it was in the Avengers, but it's 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 decent. It worked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> juicy bits. You, just lo- you lost me functionally for the next 10 minutes. I just want you to know. Well, you know, that's probably how long it'll take me to talk about the juicy bits of web goodness. Um, All right. Uh, yeah, starting off, of course, from the keyboard of Sterling Hershey, we, we peer over the shoulder of erstwhile Star Wars gaming guru, developer, and super blogger Sterling Hershey. Uh, saw a couple great updates uh, in the past couple weeks to his Star Wars Wednesdays blog. Uh, this week, Sterling touched on the recent FFG announcement pointing fans to the areas of the Age of Rebellion beta that they want us to focus on playtesting. Um, and he actually uh, goes through that, and then he gives us some links and thoughts on the recent uh, making of Star Wars Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi ebooks that got announced this week uh, with some really juicy videos and some audio to, to tantalize your senses. Um, last week, however, Sterling went nuts with this host of Star Wars gaming stars updates and, and all this new news that included the details of Jay Little and Steve Horvath's recent interviews on the Sabacc Table cast. Um, the second installment article in the Star Wars Insider, which he talked about earlier uh, by Brian Young, which talks all about the impact of, of the RPGs on the EU. Uh, more videos and details on uh, Diz Lucas's forthcoming Star Wars Rebels show and, and, and a whole lot more. And you guys can check all this out and, and feel really good about yourself and the world in the process at www.sterlinghershey.com. Of course. And not to be outdone, boys and girls, is uh, FFG. They've got a few little updates here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not the least of which is the official Edge of the Empire errata and fact. Oh, finally. 
frequently asked questions for those of you not scoring at home with acronyms. And yeah, dude, after, I mean, months we've had and seen on the boards mumbling and grumbling, not only from us, but the fans in general from, you know, basically a lot of people. Yeah. And they have responded and released the first official errata and frequently asked question document for the Edge of the Empire cool core rule book. Now, here's a, in my opinion, this is a testament to how well and how solid the game is, is that it's only three pages with yeah. no major updates. It's nothing earth-shattering, no. Yeah, I mean, nothing major. I mean... But even then, it, it's yeah. clear from what, what they made. They listened to a lot of our questions of confusion. I mean, they clarified a lot of the confusing bits, you know? Yeah, you know, and I mean, in a core rubric that big, you know, it, you, you're kind of surprised not to see more stuff. But yeah, it's it's really good to to, uh, to you know to have this resource available. So you guys go check it out at uh, Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, the other is the uh, beta updates continue for Age of Rebellion. Update number two is available right now for download. Mm-hmm. The most recent update uh, for uh, Age of Rebellion sees a little change up to talents and talent trees as well as uh, some vehicle modification threat adjustments a um, little bit of updates to the verbiage you know tweaking you know but again nothing that's you know blow your mind crazy you know complete change but uh, you know it's all good stuff so um, you'll go to www.fantasyflightgames.com and check it out download your stuff yeah yeah and now we look to our sister blog, the Gaming Security Agency, the power coupling to D20 Radio's Jar Jar Tongue, which continues to be the best and most. Thank you. Which continues to be the best and most prolific go-to place to get articles, NPCs, and fan-generated content for Edge of the Empire. Uh, a couple recent highlights: uh, noted author Wayne Basta, uh, Agent Forty Seven, brings another addition to his highly specialized article series, uh, which people 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 beyond specialization love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, Order Sixty Six brings sexy back. Everybody wants a piece. Um, even though he, he did kind of start his series before we did the first. Well, isn't that special? But yeah, I'm just going to forget that. Um, but anyway, he posts up uh, this new highly specialized article on the scoundrel. Uh, very good stuff, insight into both the role-playing and the mechanics behind Scoundrel, and, and really good choices to cross-spec into for different flavors. Great series, Wayne. Absolutely loving it. Um, also, I will say that um, our milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Damn right. I've been told it's better than yours. Yes. Could we teach them, Dave? Maybe. Right after I learned to Dougie. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And uh, possibly the most prolific author on the GSA, Donovan Morningfire, Agent 94, is at it again, hitting us with yet more AOR beta content with the recent addition to Heroes on Demand, Vissen Rosvalar, a human rebel saboteur who is this cool character. She's this, this well-trained um, imperial deserter who now brings her mechanical know-how into work for the Rebellion. She's a really That's cool... Awesome. Yeah, she's really cool. Um, good NPC, good PC, ready for use in your games right now. But you guys can go see this all right now and a whole lot more at gsa.thegamernation.org. Yeah. Now, Dave, I, I kind of want to call it Audible Man because I, I, I totally flubbed and forgot to put it in the show notes, but we do have one other announcement we kind of want to pimp out, and I'll let you do the honors, man, because we have this little thing going on for our listeners, like, in March. Yeah. 
in March, March 14th, 15th, and 16th. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, that little that, thing? That little thing is what I'm talking about right there. That little thing. Yeah. So if you missed the Kickstarter and you still want to go to Gamer Nation Con, which is March 14th, 15th, and 16th, right here in Dallas, Dallas, Texas. Tickets went on sale today via d20radio.com. If you guys are within the sound of my voice, and if you're listening to the podcast, you obviously are never listening and still hearing. It's very interesting. Head over there and buy yourself a ticket. All you have to do is select the size of T-shirt you want, put in what name you want on your badge, and hit enter. And bam, you're transported all mysterious-like through the interwebs to PayPal. And it's 30 bucks for three days. And then while you're at it, we've only got... A few rooms left in our hotel block at Ooh. La Quinta. La Quinta. And call the number that is on the update there. Call there's a there's a phone number on our website that you have to call that number. If you call the regular La Quinta eight hundred number, they won't know what the hell you're talking about. Call that number here in Plano, Texas, and say you want the Gamer Nation room block. Otherwise, you will find out, like one of our other listeners, that they have no idea what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. See, when local managers make deal with local people like us, it, it's local. It benefits locally. Right, exactly. Yes. So the good news is I think we're only two rooms away from them letting us use their you know, like meeting room, banquet room, whatever thing, the entire weekend for overflow stuff or you know, people that want to oh. be at the hotel and throw a game together or whatever in that banquet oh, room. They, that, can, they can use it for whatever they want. That's Well, that's, that's brilliant because, I mean, it would serve as a perfect pug place, especially after hours at the con, um, yes. if nothing else. Oh, that's great. Yes. We got, we got a lot of cool events planned, guys. If you go to the website at GamerNationCon.com, you'll see, of course, our guest of honor, um, Jay Little, ah, ha, ha, uh, lead designer for Edge of the Empire and uh, the Star Wars system. Um, he's going to be there running games, doing a whole bunch of other stuff. We have a lot of cool events that are in the works and brewing. Lots of very skilled game masters coming. Just got confirmation that uh, DM Vince of D20 Radio fame and also uh, any award winner for his recent uh, free RPG, uh, his old school uh, D&D-esque RPG, is going to be running OD&D, original old school D&D at Gamer Nation Con, helping us out there. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And from that's the, fantastic. It, yeah, I know because Vince is a really good DM. And if you guys, uh, you know, want to get your old school on, there's nobody better. Um, I mean, I, I like first time, like first time I ever played like original D and D, like box. I started with AD and D when I first time I ever played like like old box. I was like, this sucks. And then Vince ran it for me. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome because it's 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 all about the GM, right? Um, also on the Edge of the Empire front, I am proud to announce that I am going to be releasing a series of at least, more if I have time, but at least three new standalone modules that are going to coincide with the con itself, and I will be running them at the con. Um, and I've talked about this on the show before, but uh, Brev, uh, Dave, I told you Brev gave me permission to re, sort of reimagine his Inglorious Rebels campaign. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing it as, as a series of episodics and the first three dossiers will be available for play at the con i'll be running them and then after the con they'll be released to the gamer nation at large so that's awesome i'm, I'm very excited by that uh but if you're going to be at the con saying get a chance to play it live yo if you want an alternate way to participate and i will stress that you must do this very very quickly 
if you choose to volunteer for the convention, we have 24 volunteer slots available. We, we made the announcement today, you know, all that. 20 of those 24 are filled already. Yeah. All it takes is eight hours of volunteering, and that is like running games, working the door, whatever, and you get a badge out of the deal. But I'll whoa, tell whoa, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know a convention in the world where you get a free badge for volunteering just eight hours of your time. I know, dude. Huh. It's kind of crazy. So, so there you go. <sighs> if you want it. Verse 4 gets you in. Love it. Head to GamerNationCon.com, guys, to check it out. We would love to see you. Uh, time for the social media plug. Of course, stay in the know by following D20 Radio on the Facebooks for news and podcast info on a darn near daily basis. You can also follow the GMs on Twitter. Uh, I'm at GM Chris. I'm at GM Dave. And we also have an at D20 Radio, which kind of makes it a little simpler. But we post and tweet show info and announcements regularly, so be sure to follow us. And uh, you can be like all the people that are in Echo Base right now watching this live simulcast and chatting with each other like crazed little little, little Kowakian monkey lizards. It's hilarious. <laughs> right. Yes, they are scurrying about rapidly. Uh, well, without further ado, I think it's time to return to a, another much-beloved and missed uh, segment which I don't think needs much preamble. It's just this. Skill Monkey! Skill checks are one of the most narratively creative elements in FFG's Star Wars system. They represent opportunities for players and GMs to work together to create the kind of stories and adventures that become epic and cinematic. At least, they can be epic and cinematic if you think creatively about the dice results. Let me show you what I mean. Some of you may have heard that the Skill Monkey was sick last show, and that was why you didn't hear from him. Not true, I say. Not true at all. The Skill Monkey has never been sick a day in his life. Never. Not once. The Skill Monkey was indisposed. No, not in the commode. Indisposed. And why is it, you may well ask, that the Skill Monkey has never been sick? Simple. The Skill Monkey listened to his mother. He eats his vegetables, even the really disgusting ones he doesn't actually like, and he takes his vitamins, preferably in amusing character shapes to make it less tedious. He gets his exercise, even if it is only walking around the cantina shaking hands. And all this has made the Skill Monkey very, very resilient indeed. And we all know resilience is linked to the brawn characteristic. Of course, typically you use resilience to resist environmental effects, lack of sleep, and lack of food and water. But there is no reason not to use it to resist the effects of not only toxins, but various types of illness as well. For example, if you have Balmoran Space Cold, like uh, a friend of the Skill Monkeys did just a few weeks ago, resilience is the perfect skill to apply to stave off the lethargic, stuffy-headed, coughing, sniffling, and sneezing activities that are so often associated with it until you can get appropriate medical attention. A simple success when trying not to hack up a lung lets you ignore the nagging, tickling at the back of your throat or the unpleasant difficulty of taking a full breath through a blockade of mucus. Typical GMs will happily inform you that you make your check and don't feel any ill effects, as if that is some sort of consolation 
for marshalling your body's defenses against those microscopic alien invaders that you absolutely did not get from that Twi'lek in the bar. Fortunately, your GM isn't typical, and he'll no doubt come up with something brilliant like, while you can feel the initial onset of symptoms often associated with unprotected smooching on Balmora, your health regime and constant attention to proper nutrition and preventative measures has allowed your body to shake off the initial effects. Which, on the whole, makes your white blood cells sound like the heroes of the day, just as they should be. Additional success can increase the amount of time you can continue to ignore the effects. Fortunately, you know that the Balmoran space cold is nothing to sneeze at, and you'll be using this time to get to a proper medical facility, or at least complete whatever vital mission you were on before you were laid up in bed. Failure means you succumb right away. There's nothing for it but to get your best mate to warm up a water bottle while you settle in for a marathon run of Dr. Witchwat on the Holovid while sipping Nerf soup just like your mom used to make. Let's just hope that subsequent checks let you recover quickly. Advantage might allow you to find a local remedy that works remarkably well, or perhaps you just happen to have something in the med kit that works to reduce the effects of the illness. Maybe you've even got enough advantage that instead of being laid up in bed for four days whining and ringing your little help me I'm pathetic bell, you begin the recovery process much more quickly than normal and only annoy your entire crew for a day or two. Sufficient advantage and success might even suggest that you fail to spread your unwholesome illness to other members of your party and they don't spend the rest of the month passing the disease back and forth amongst themselves while hating you. You are a rare, remarkably resilient recoverer. Threat means that you might just as well give up and lay down now. The rest of your day, week, or even month is going to be a pointless series of half attempts to accomplish anything. That big smuggling job you had planned? Might as well put it on the back burner because you, my friend, are going nowhere but straight to the hospital. You're clearly contagious, and you'd better get used to that isolation bubble. Hope you've got a good, loyal droid nearby because none of the organic species in your crew are going to want anything to do with you. Get used to the smell of disinfectant. Not that you'll actually be able to smell it. Triumph means you've bounced back remarkably well. Heck, you might even be in better shape than when the little Lekud lovely first laid lips on you. You feel great and your body's natural defenses are in prime working order. With enough triumph, you might even become the source of the first effective vaccine against Balmoran space cold. Wouldn't that be a nice profit-making opportunity as you shop yourself around to various medical facilities? You know, unless you're altruistic or something. Despair, on the other hand, means you've been hit hard. Harder than most, in fact. Your weak immune system just isn't up to the job, and you need medical help pronto. Blood transfusions, intensive care, or worse, expensive life-saving medical procedures are all in your immediate future. Expect some serious internal damage. You might even need new kidneys or a lung if things go really badly. Hope you're still current on your galactic medical insurance. Otherwise, it could be the big shadow port in the sky for you, pal. Fortunately, the skill monkey did listen to his mother and doesn't go around doing foolish things like kissing any pretty Twi'lek that comes along. No, sir. Now, Togruta's, on the other hand, Excellent job, Fiddy. See, it's a good thing that the galaxy has palpicare. <laughs>
Oh, man. Oh. And with that, we go to this. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Indeed. Welcome to Messages from the Edge. This is our regular show segment where we take a little bit of time and we answer all of your, well, not all of them, some of your game and rules questions about the system. And you may be asking yourself right now, how do you get these questions, GM Dave? Well, I'll tell you, listeners, non-listeners. The easiest way is to go to our forums at www.d20radio.com slash forums. And if you are not registered, register. And then go to the Order 66 podcast boards where you will find a thread entitled Messages from the Edge. Post in there and you usually get some pretty good banter and repartee going with some of the other community members, we will call them. Just a smidge. And just a smidge. Yeah, just a little bit here and there. Uh, or, you know, you can always email them directly to us at gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. And also, if you have the cojones, you may call and leave a voicemail on the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO, 262-320-7234. Lots of ways to do it. Oh, yeah. So, first up, dude. What do we got? We have a question from a, a new poster. Oh, I love those. Yes, his name is Veebs. The Veebs? Veebs. As in Victor Echo Echo Bravo Zulu. Yeah. Very interesting name. Veebs. He has a query about medicine checks. And he writes this. I am very confused about when it is acceptable to make medicine checks. The rules state one medicine check per person per encounter. Does this mean a player may only receive a medicine check if they were injured in that encounter? No. If so, can you only heal up to the amount of wounds the player received in that encounter, or could you heal wounds that were received but only partially healed in a previous encounter? Also, what constitutes an encounter? Is it a combat situation? Can you perform a medicine check to heal critical injuries during combat? Does the medicine check to heal critical injuries count toward this once per encounter limit? Could you heal a player's wounds during a fight and then address their critical injury immediately after? Uh, All I, interesting questions there, Veebs. They, they are. Um, they are. And, and they're not uncommon, Veebs. Um, you know, a lot of players still coming off the D20 mindset. They're used to more quantified explanations of these things. And honestly, that's not, that's not, a, that's not a D20 flaw. That's not fair. That's, that's most RPGs, I'll be quite frank. Um, yeah. but, but we're dealing with a different beast here. And, and it's the kind of incorrect view to have with this system. This system, man, is narrative and loose. And much is determined by the GM. So let's, let's dig into it, okay? So the medicine skill covered on page 112 of the Edge of the Empire Core Rulebook lists all these very things you can do with it, up to, you know, healing wounds and strain from a character. But for the real details on using medicine to heal another, we have to go to the recovery and healing section of the Edge of the Empire Core Rulebook starting on page 219. 
Now, that details that you can only make a medicine check, as he says, to heal another character once an encounter. Okay? That's that's it, man. That's kind of all it says. Um, aside from, you know, hey, this is the difficulty, depending on how wounded you are. Um, so your questions. I mean, can this be used to heal old wounds? Sure. Uh, if the GM thinks it's kosher. And just what is an encounter, Dave? I mean, what 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 is an encounter? What's what's the time clock for it? I mean, how how long does it last? I'm you know what I'm fast and loose with encounters. Basically, a social encounter to me is an encounter in a bar. You yeah. get out of the bar without causing a fight. Fine, no big deal. That still was an encounter. Yeah, you know, it, it's totally up to the GM and and the players, and it's very you know. Uh, th- okay, think about it like this. Okay, for, from a from a from a from a medicine standpoint. Okay, Dave, it, when a medic slaps bandages and fast flesh onto somebody, what's the reasonable amount of time before they could do it again? If if you go to the hospital, yeah. I mean, if if you go to the hospital and they stitch you up, but they don't completely heal you, I mean, it, and and you've been in the hospital a few times. <laughs> All yeah. Right. All right. When they're done, it's not like the doctor says, "All right, Dave. Uh, well, we didn't completely get you all fixed up, so back in the ER. We're going to operate again right now until the wounds are all gone." Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not like he comes in and goes, "Okay, we have to wait eight hours before we can operate on you again." Um, <laughs> you know, you can only slap so much neosporin on a cut, Veebs, before your body has to process it, wait, and then put on more. How much time is that? It's what it's up to your GM. What what makes sense? Okay, can you heal a critical injury during an encounter? You know, as a GM, for me, Dave, that depends on the story and the situation. And without a perfectly still patient and proper equipment, you bet your ass I'm upgrading the difficulty of that check, especially if you're doing it in combat. Um, does such a check replace the once per encounter medicine check rule? Maybe. It depends on the details of it. I mean, if, if I just if I just patched up a ragged hole in your chest, then yes, that, <laughs> that yeah. is your that is your medicine check for the round. If I gave you a shot of cortisol to get rid of a staggered crit, you know, probably not. And this is why the crit descriptions are detailed out the way they are and classified by severity. But but the idea is, you know, as, as a GM, it's it's up to you, and you have to use your judgment. But always err on the side of the players. And what's going to be the more most interesting to them? Um, you know, one of the last sessions I ran online, man, I I had the doctor character wanted to use you know first aid and whip out her her her, her medical kit and treat somebody in the middle of combat, and I was kind of like, ah, oh, are you sure? I mean, it's middle of combat. And after you know, I made the call and I went with it, but afterwards, I like immediately regretted it. I'm like, why not? Why not give her the chance? So I upgrade the difficulty. I make it more difficult. So what? You know, it, it it's it's yes, and not no. Yeah. You know, yes, and instead of no, but instead of no, but it's yes, yes, and your difficulty's upgraded twice. <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. try it. yes, and you got to get your med kit out. Uh, that's going to take you, oh, I'd say a full maneuver, and you already moved, so it's too strain. Um, you know, it, it's you know, yes, and yes, and yes, and you know, that's what it comes down to. So, there, yep, yep, yep. All right, we have a good question. From Donovan Morningfire, mm. and this has been echoed by many others, both on our forums and on the FFG board. So he says, on the subject of the brace talent, mm. would you allow it to negate the effects of cover? 
Per the talent's description in talent trees, it negates setback dice imposed by environmental conditions to any skill checks. Yeah. The more in-depth version of the talent's chapter cites a number of specific conditions, including disruptive physical obstacles. Since cover would generally fall under the heading of a disruptive physical obstacle, as well as the rules for cover being detailed under the environmental effects portion of the combat chapter, there's a pretty strong case for Raw saying that you can use Brace to negate the effects of cover. It's, yeah. It's, it's worth noting. See that, see that button over there? That's called a hot button, and you just slammed it. Yeah, he did. Um, so the, the, this, this question has caused a firestorm of discussion on both our forums and over at FFG's boards. And I can honestly see both sides of it. And I would like to clarify for our listeners that Dono is actually, despite the fact he's presenting this question, says there's a strong case for the Raw saying you can do it. He personally doesn't think you can. Um, th- that's his view. He thinks it's too overpowered. And a lot of people agree with him. So I'm going to talk about this, guys, and I'm going to give you my answer and my interpretation. And most of you are not going to like it, but I'm going to explain it anyway. So, to clarify, Brace is a talent, page 132, Edge of the Empire Core Rulebook. It's a ranked talent, Dave, that lets you, as a maneuver, brace yourself, like just like it sounds like, okay? And what that means is that you can ignore one setback die per rank of the talent on your next skill check when the setback is based on changing environmental conditions, things that are called out, like gravity, unstable surfaces, inclement weather, stuff like that, right? That's great. Yes. That's, that's great. Easy. But is cover included in the list? So there's arguments for both sides. Some will say that cover is the very definition of a disruptive physical obstacle or an environmental obstacle. Um, and as Dono points out, it is in the environmental effects portion of the combat chapter. But as far as the arguments against... Unlike normal environmental effects that hinder combat checks, cover's a bit unique. Cover doesn't add setback dice, not directly. Cover adds ranged defense, which translates to a setback die, but it's, it's, not, it's not the same. You get what I mean. <laughs> so, considering that, I do think that Brace works against cover, as a pure reading of the rules is written. Now, having said that, in the past, I have not run it that way because I, like many people involved in this discussion, thought it would be way too powerful. All right. I mean, seriously, man, I take a talent and as a maneuver, I can negate cover. I mean, that's that's huge. Then I started running into characters who actually had brace. And what did I discover? The talent, if you run it that way, was next to useless. I mean, it rarely, if ever, got used. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of that could be on me as a GM, you know, not throwing enough debilitative environmental conditions at them. But I'm sorry, every combat having some type of debilitating environmental condition, it, it's cool. It's part of the list, but it's not always going to be there. Um, so at this point, when I realized that, I started running Brace as as negating cover. And Dave, do you know how many games of, of Dead Man's Hand that I've run online at this point? Twelve. Uh, Thirteen. Okay. Okay. And in that module, one of the pre-gen PC and uh, PCs has brace. Okay. So halfway through those, I was like, man, you know, no, you can't use it to negate cover. And then I started saying, God, he, he's never used it, not once. So why don't I let him use it to negate cover? 
And so I started doing that. And after running several sessions, allowing brace to negate cover, I still have yet to find it to be unbalancing. It doesn't negate all range defense, which is why armor is still a good idea, but it honestly worked wonderfully for me. Um, and it wasn't imbalancing at all. So what's my advice? Try it both ways and decide for yourself if it's way too overpowered to let it affect cover. I, I, I'll be honest, I was quite surprised that I did not find it unbalancing. Um, it was just right. Um, so just one GM's opinion on the matter, guys. Add salt to taste. Um, from, a pure, yeah. from a pure reading of the raw, I think it, I think it, uh, it works against cover. Um, from rules as intended or perhaps from a balance perspective, it, it may be too overpowering for you, but I'm telling you, in my experience, it has not been. So, I don't know. Kind of a weird answer from me, huh? I have an opinion on this matter. Uh, speak and be heard. My opinion is that I think it is intentionally ambiguous, like a lot of other things in this system. Um, I believe that it is, uh, this is firmly rule zero to me. That is, I would allow it to negate cover for, you know, rocky, funky, rocky outcroppings and things in the environment. I would not allow it to uh, ignore cover if you're in a warehouse and you're behind a shipping container. You wouldn't consider that an environmental effect? No, I don't think I would. And I, and I can't give you a good reason why, um, except for the fact that I, you know, those, those shipping containers are placed there, you know, for a purpose and they're movable and all that other stuff. Rocks and boulders are usually not just movable in an environment, right? They're all there. They're placed there by, you know, a higher power, if you will, or just by the environment itself. And so... Yes, call that tree huggerish of me to 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 actually say environment means environment, but you know artificially created stuff in a warehouse to me, you know you you hide behind a wall. Well, great. I'm not gonna. I, I don't know that I would rule brace to 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 negate the cover of you know for you crouching behind a wall or a half wall or a bank of computers. I just I don't know, and I don't know what the difference is, and I can't really justified if i got into an argument i would just say no you can't use it in this situation yes you can use it in this situation i'm telling you i have i have i've now run the brace talent with a pc if you count my play tests of dead man's hand 17 times okay and how over i'm almost half that i've let brace affect cover and it's been in the same situations and the same encounters um where i use cover very judiciously and it has not proven unbalancing so i Okay. I, I encourage I, I just I encourage GMs to try it before they poo-poo it. Try it at your table. It, it's very different than on paper. Just just try it. I think most of the time your your cover is created from an environmental factor. Often, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I think probably eighty percent of the time, you know, in, in in you know, unless you're running a lot of indoor stuff, you know. So I don't know. I, I I'm again I'm open to kind of swaying one way or the other and, and you're right. I have yet to uh, I have yet to see the brace talent actually be used for something really productive. <laughs> I know. So, I don't know. There's our thoughts, guys. All right, very good. And we move on now to away put your weapon. Or away underscore p- oh, underscore er underscore. P- Thank you. Yeah. 
All right, he hits us with the last question of the night right here. He says, I have dual questions on the dual wielding for the inestimably estimable non-erstwhile GMs, Chris and Dave. That would be us. <laughs> Number one, let's say my Bothan wants to one-two punch with Brawl, with or without weapons. I doubt it makes much difference. Are the normal dual-wielding rules okay for this? My thought is that it's fine. Increase the difficulty required to advantage on a successful roll for the second hit to take place. All right, number two. Let's say my Bothan wants to one-two punch while wearing a stun glove on one hand and brass knuckles on the other. Are normal dual-wielding rules still okay for this, treating each as its own brawling weapon for the purposes of the check? My thought, it's, it's still fine. Sex in advance. <laughs> I tend to agree. It's absolutely fine. Um, basically, every brawling character does have two weapons to dual-wield. Um, and two-weapon combat, frankly, is a fabulous way to normalize the sometimes lackluster damage output of brawling compared to other engaged fighting styles and weapons. So, page 210 um, of the Edge of the Empire core rulebook details the rules for two-weapon combat and makes it clear that each weapon must be reasonably held and wielded in one hand. Uh, your hands themselves uh, seem to uh, ring right into that category for me. Um, as a reminder for you Padawans out there, two-weapon combat involves declaring your intent to do it before you roll, selecting whether you're attacking two different targets or applying both hits to the same target so that you can get a proper difficulty for the check beforehand. Determine the highest difficulty of the two targets as your base, if you have two separate foes, and then adding one purple to the pool. After that, you have to roll, hit, and generate two advantage to pull it off the second hit. Your full damage, with extra successes too, gets applied to both hits, whether they go to separate targets or the same target. It gets hinky when you use two-weapon combat with two very different weapons, um, it's more, more accurately those that, that use different skills. Uh, at that point, it's a combined check. You have to take the worst characteristic and worst skill rank between the two skills to generate your pool. But in your example away, this doesn't apply. You're using Brawl both times, regardless of the fact that it's a vibro, you know, a, a stun glove and a, and a brass knuckle. It's still Brawl. So you're using Brawl both times. No worries. Hope that answers your question. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you guys head over to the forums and post up some more questions for us. We would like it. Or leave us a lovely voicemail because we want to hear it. Uh, well, um, so we had the debut of a new segment, uh, or I guess the rebirth of an old segment last week um, with uh, When Good Games Go Bad. And our listeners got a little cranky, actually, Dave. I mean, they loved it, but at the same time, like, they missed Watto's Black Market. Yeah, they did. What, 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 what? Thank you. So, with that. Let him take that back, huh? Maybe we'll find out what you need. I'm gonna pop some tags. Only got $20 in my pocket. I'm looking for a comma. This is a black market. <laughs> what do you know? 
Macklemore, can we go to Watto's? <laughs> you know, I think they like this segment just because of the bed. <laughs> it's baby. Oh, well, welcome to Watto's Black Market, boys and girls, where the skeezy scoundrels of the Outer Rim Territories can procure the weapons and gear to make a living on the edge of that their empire. Just a little more tolerable. Tonight's trip to Wado sees us bringing back a long overdue piece of gear, requisitioned by none other than Austin Catan. And he he wrote to Wado back in July, Dave. What did what did he what did he write to Wado? Ah, yes, he said, I wanted some information on an item I was looking at picking up that is mentioned in the core rule book. I want to hear from Wado's Black Market about the fusion lamp. Its description makes it sound like it's a source of light, warmth, and a portable battery to use to charge up tech. Is it really that simple? Because for its cost and its size, I would hope it could do more. Hmm. Well, sir, you might be surprised. Uh, So slap those marshmallows on the sticks and huddle around the warm glow of the fusion lantern. So, dude, dude, talk to me about this. This is a, this is a pretty iconic piece of tech. Yeah, you know, the um, it's it's what would you call it? Uh, you saw Luke using it, um, uh, using it for its stated purpose. I guess you could say recharging R two D two while they were in Dagobah. Yes, if you recall that, um, it's found on one. 81, page 181 of the Edge of the Empire Core rulebook. Uh, the book and the EU describe it as a portable squat device that gives off light, heat, and can be used to recharge tech. Okay. Okay, great. To Austin's point, it costs 150 credits, has an encumbrance of two, so it's almost as heavy as a heavy blaster pistol or a vibro axe, so it's, it's not small. You know, by any stretch of the imagination, it's not tiny. No. Um, on the surface, you know, it's really just a generator that uses, um, you know, as the name implies, microfusion to run indefinitely and provide light, heat, power, even in the middle of nowhere. And so what it means is it's a standard part of survival gear for anybody that's going to out to a remote world or someone who might get stranded uh, in a disabled ship with failing life support. It gets cold. Yeah. Uh, If you're a droid, this is a replacement for food rations. You have one of these. You'll survive or stay powered, you know, even in the most remote of primitive places. Mm. But, but, but it's actually classified in the game as a tool, not a piece of survival gear, as you might expect. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that should tell you a lot about the mindset, you know, for the fusion lamp. It's primarily useful function, you know, is power. Right, so um, it's not a gonk droid by any stretch, but no. you know, it can keep a regular droid sustained and um, and power complex sensors or scanning gear, and that's really the size of you know a small dog. <laughs> yes, let's just say I should. My this is my fusion big, lamp. I shall call him Scruffy. Big, <laughs> yes, bigger than a mouse droid. You know, <laughs> not a gonk. Those gonk droids are so funny too. They're pretty funny. Back and forth. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's not, um, it's not a trash can. No, no. <laughs> yeah. 
Here's another butt for you. It lasts indefinitely because it's a fusion lantern. Ah. So it's self-sustaining. It generates its own power for a really, really long time. And, you know, or at least within reason, you know? Yeah. That's why it's 150 credits, really. Yeah. Now, so okay. how would you use it creatively, Mr. GM? That's my question. Oh, okay. So that's the thing. You've described this little simple tool, all right? And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an inexhaustible battery when you get right down to it. And yeah, it keeps you warm and gives you light. That's great. Cool. Lots of good fluff. It's 150 creds. Um, okay, first of all, you made a point that it's basically uh, a, a replaces, you know, food rations for a droid. I mean, I could see a droid plopping down. Oh, I got a fusion lantern. I don't have to buy, you know, no matter where I go or what I do, I have this. I can always stay powered. I mean, that's that's a lot. But like as a GM, man, I think about a fusion lantern. It makes the perfect explanatory piece of fodder to power all kinds of really cool stuff story hooks for my party i mean like like my my party could stumble across an ancient facility that has an assassin droid roaming about you know for the last thousand years still taking out intruders you know how is this droid still functional after a thousand years fusion lamp you know, uh, the, the players come across this ancient stasis pod that was jury rigged into a fusion lantern for power, you know, with a, with a, with a power source that size, the pod could have been floating in open space for centuries with the inhabitant just fine. I mean, it might take some hand waving, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. And who's inside that? You know, maybe maybe as a Sith Lord or, a, or or an ancient Jedi hero resurrected to fight the Empire or or maybe, you know, maybe the guy who actually engineered the fusion lamp and he can tell you the secrets to ultimate fusion lamp engineering. And now the Empire wants him for his fusion lamp knowledge. That's right. His yeah, name so. is Tomas Edison. Yeah, th- yes, yes. Edis- Ed- 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 Edison. Yes. Edison. Edison. Yes, he's Corellian. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a cool hook that can be used to explain uh, a lot and uh, allows you to put things in really out of the way places um, of a of a, of a power to machine nature without your players having to raise their eyebrows too terribly much at you um, and without giving them a, a a pocket facility if you don't want them to have one. Oh, it's got a power source here, it's player people to run it. No, it's just it's got, it's got a fusion lamp. That's it. Um, I don't know. There's that. Yeah. So okay, dude. My my one of my more creative players, as you are, how would you use a fusion lamp creatively? <laughs> my first thought is to use it as a bomb. Oh dear. Okay, <laughs> I uh, mean, a bomb. I mean, it's a fusion reactor. Okay, so you know. Now, okay, now uh, now before you get too excited, you got to realize this is a mass manufactured piece of equipment owned by children in the Star Wars galaxy. I mean, I would. Uh, the manufacturer certainly would have put safety protocols into the design, oh, of course, to prevent of it course. ever being turned into a fusion explosion. Of course, that's why I have skullduggery at my disposal. But I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> it, that doesn't, you know, necessarily mean that I can't remove those constraints or at least extract the raw materials that I need to create a fusion bomb, right? And it's a, it, you know, it's a microfusion reactor, so it'll be a small bomb, but. Definitely enough to maybe blow up a, a small vehicle or definitely blow out a door that I need to get through. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I um, you know, let's say that it is, um, you know, it's a bomb. It's going to be a bomb. And 
you know, how, how often, you know, do you walk into, let's say, an imperial conference as a rebel, and are they gonna are they gonna let you in with a bomb? No. Are they gonna let you in with a fusion lamp? Sure. Probably, yeah. You know, it, 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 it I don't know. I, I wouldn't expect it, you know, from Mr. GM, I wouldn't expect it to be um, easy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, oh, 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 I'd expect oh, you to oh, pull no. at least three, probably four purple dice out of me. If, you know, if, maybe, if you, da- maybe daunting, right? If you wanted to just flat out turn a fusion lamp into a small explosive, I mean, remove its safeties and create a fusion cascade reaction, that would be at least a four purple daunting mechanics check at a minimum. And, the danger of that task, I would probably upgrade automatically one of those dice to a red because, you know, boom. Uh, speaking of that, you guys go look on Facebook for how not to plant a roadside bomb. <laughs> okay, because I've, there's there's I've, raw I've, footage of a of a helo that was uh that was yeah. training its its guns on um some I guess Iraqis. I don't know where remember they where they were, but. Yeah, they were planting a roadside bomb, and uh, the guy went to tamp the ground, and it, it exploded. And then, yeah, yeah, there were five guys there, and then there were none. So you know, in a that, that's, that's called so. a, that's called a despair. So that, it, it it happens. Now, okay, you yeah, said you said you said also extracting the raw components for a bomb. That I would probably make a tad easier. Maybe hard, maybe three purple to safely strip the usable components out of it, um, and then probably a completely new check to actually build something with it. And all of that is going to take a lot of time, of course, but, I mean, that might be a, a tad easier. Of course. Um, or, you know, let's say, you know, a better use of skullduggery, as I mentioned before, is is um, is to conceal a bomb inside of said fusion reactor, fusion lamp. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's got it's got a power signature. It's got low level radiation. You know, it might mask all kinds of stuff you can hide inside, and you know, a little bit of contraband, a little bomb or something inside the fusion lamp, using it as a hidey hole, if you will. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'd, I'd I'd expect I'd expect some creativity to give me a blue dye there. I you know, using the fusion lamp as a hidey hole like that. Um, Definitely, probably a blue dye. Depending on how the search goes, like what type of scanning equipment they're using, that might even fully downgrade the difficulty. Um, oh, there you go. If, if you were, if you would recommend that, just because you know it's it's hidden inside of something that's already giving off a signature that they expect. Um, right. Uh, uh, these are this is this is very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But bottom line, you know what? If you're a creative player, you'll come up with a use that may not be by the book for um, for a fusion lamp and. 150 credits. Now, in this game, 150 credits means a little more than 150 credits did back when we were doing Saga. Amen. You know, and so, yes, you do have to be a little bit more judicious in what equipment you pick up here and there along the way. But, I mean, you know, you go off to a remote place. Maybe you write in a fusion lamp as a GM and, and maybe one of your more you know, intrepid players might take it off the big bad guy or something, you know, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you've given your party a fusion lamp. Well, I, you know, there, I say there's a lot of creative things you can do with a portable micro fusion generator. A triumph is all you need. Just a dab will do you. There you go. So 
we have lots more suggestions for Wados, guys. There's a lot in the docket. But, of course, if you guys have a cool piece of tech or gear you'd like us to discuss uh, and, and have Wado bring back um, uh, from his black market, you can, of course, head to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums. Uh, you can find a dedicated uh, the dedicated Order 66 podcast boards where there is a sticky thread specifically for Wado's black market. So... What now, dude? We we had a little disappointed. I I, I, I feel sad. We don't have a uh, we don't have a transmissions from the rim tonight. I think I think oh. Mr. Steele is uh, maybe a tad ill. Uh, apparently, if like you know, what what last episode and then Fiddy, like I think there's something going around the forum. Some kind of you know communicable disease. It's an STD. Skype transmitted disease. Dude, so Jay Little, patient zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we can't take credit for any of that. That flashed by in the in the uh, chat room like 30 minutes ago. Brilliant stuff. Well, what we do have, however, is uh, the triumphant return of Fragments from the Rim, of course, uh, with uh, GM Phil. So what do you say we get to that right now? Yeah. So we'll see you guys on the other side in about five and a half minutes. The farther you get from the core worms the more mysteries there are in the galaxy. Secrets that can mean the difference between success or failure, triumph or despair, life or death. Take a seat. My friend here will reveal one of these secrets. One of these fragments from the rim. Ah, good evening, good evening, good to see you. Hmm? Oh, the flu. Yes, yes, I'm feeling much better now, thank you. Kilo's remedy worked wonders, and I was back running the station in a matter of days. That's a good thing, too. I received a visit from a rather unpleasant party. That's one of the hazards of taking ownership of a valuable piece of real estate like a space station, or any sort of far-flung outpost, the criminal element. Now, let's be clear, I'm no saint. I've dabbled in the underworld from time to time, and I know there's a lot of illicit activities occurring within these halls. I've got my new security expert, Gothor, investigating a few of them. Some things I'm willing to let slide. The occasional smuggling operation, or a small chop shop... I'm even willing to let a few known seditionists through Delta 2-0 as long as they keep to themselves. It's about the most the Rebel Alliance can expect from me in terms of aid and assistance. I have my own problems. But back to my expected guests. Inevitably, I've been waiting for the day when some representative from one of the larger criminal organizations would appear in my office and attempt to tell me how it is. I'm sure you can guess what the discussion was about. Some form of, we had an arrangement with the former owner and expect it to continue. Or, this is the way things work out here and you're expected to keep paying us, blah, blah, blah. I expected Black Sun or the Huts. I can say with honesty I did not expect my first of such visitors to be a representative from the Thalassian slavers. The slavers have been operating for quite some time, even as far back as the waning days of the Republic. They're a fairly large and powerful band of slavers, and they'd have to be to survive for so long. They're smart, which makes them dangerous. They're also greedy as a hut, and when credits are low, they're even willing to hire themselves out as mercenaries. They really will work for the highest bidder, even mid-fight switching sides if the other will pony up more cash than their current employer. As a slaver band, they almost drove the entire Snivian population into extinction. Snivian skins have this unique thermal resistance property that many industries found useful. Well, when the Snivians first started exploring the stars, the first group they encountered were the Thalassian slavers. They captured Snivians by the millions and sold them to corrupt corporations that slaughtered them outright for their skins. 
Eventually, the Republic found out about it and sent a task force to stop them. Snivians are still one of the favorite prey of the Thalassians, but at least now it's not happening to the point of a racial genocide. With their current slavery laws and humanocentric views, you'd think that the Empire would care little about the activities of the Thalassian slavers. Oddly, they do. Probably because the Thalassians enjoy piracy a little too much, and will attack just about any and every ship they think they can take down without too much trouble. Most Imperial ships will fire on Thalassians on sight when found within their sectors. And vice versa. They've got their work cut out for them. The most famous Thalassian ship is, the, is an old Kaloth-class battlecruiser called the Harm's Way. Kaloth cruisers are tough beasts normally, often able to give as good as they get against a Nebulon B frigate. The Harm's Way has been upgunned to the point where it can eat a Nebulon B for breakfast and take on a Victory Star Destroyer and win in a good fight. Not that the pirates have the spine to stand up to a victory, but they could likely harm one pretty bad before breaking and running. So here I am, in my office, with a representative from a greedy, bloodthirsty, money-hungry pirate slaver band that has access to ships that can take down the best of the Empire's second string of warships. A group that has operated successfully for generations and is now telling me how the trafficking of slaves is going to continue under the station's new administration. Now, I don't know if old Sendalon actually had any business with the slavers. And I don't care. What I do care is that my personal belief that some lines that you just don't cross. And this smug, arrogant piece of Dianoga dropping just jumped over the line. Bargaining and negotiation is best done from a position of power. And I figured that the best place to do that would be while sitting on the edge of my desk while he's face down on the floor with a broken arm and Golthor's knee grinding into his kidneys. I informed him that the Thalassian slavers are not welcome aboard Delta 2-0, and informed him what would happen to him and his ilk if I find them in my area of space again. I asked Golthor to escort the nice gentleman off the station. In hindsight, I probably should have made it clear that I meant for there to be a ship on the other side of the airlock, but these things happen. I recorded the exchange. I'll send it along to the Thalassians when I have a chance. In any event, try to stay as far away from the Thalassians as you can. They're bad news. On the flip side, if you can find an interesting and profitable way to screw them over, I doubt you'll find anyone else in the galaxy crying tears into their beer mugs over it. As a matter of fact, you'll probably get several folks who are willing to refill that mug of their own. Thanks for stopping by. Pay your tab at the door, and may the imps always be one step behind you. Well, well done. done, Phil. Well done, <laughs> God. And oh, absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, the lossy slavers don't get enough love. They're a really great boogeyman that you can throw in your par- at your party. Uh, yeah, yeah, dude, very well done. Oh, okay, it's time for this. So so what are what are our what are our, our two what what are our you know kind of like our Doctor Strange love theme here what are our two titles for tonight's meet? Uh let's see. We can call this well isn't that special the mercenary soldier or have gun will travel. That's doable. 
That's doable. I thought yes. about, I was trying to think about something else creative, but I just wasn't. I wasn't up to snuff. Maybe we'll come up with another, with another good one as we go through this. Yeah, you know, it'll wind up being the episode title, <clears throat> probably. Um. So after after like the overwhelming reaction to last episode's debut of our, our brand new segment for the meat of the show, well, isn't that special? Where we we dig deep into a single specialization. You guys hit us up with a dozen requests within forty eight hours of the cast posting. Actually, no, within 48 hours of the simulcast, because it took a day for the cast to post. So, yes. Um, thank you. Uh, we're glad you enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully that enjoyment will continue tonight as we dig into our next specialization request, asked for by Fango, Away Put Your Weapon, and Angelic Doctor, the Mercenary Soldier. If you're going to spec as a merc, we're going to help you spec right. We're going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of the spec, the talents, the skills, the party role, and the mindset. So, Gamer Nation, sharpen your blades and steal those gazes. Get to the chopper with your... Get to the chopper! With your worst nightmare. As we tackle the Stallones, the Schwarzeneggers, and yes, even the Lundgrens of the Star Wars universe. With (laughs) the Mercenary Soldier tonight on your Order 66 podcast. And what makes you so special? In my book... Experience outranks everything. Great kid! Don't get cocky! I'm looking forward to completing your training. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. Well, isn't that special? Ah. All right, Dave. Talk to me. I want to hear it. I want to know about it. The mercenary soldier. Hmm. All right, so let's uh, let's start with kind of a high level overview and uh, as, talk about it in general terms, as we do. Yes, as we are wont to do. So, younglings, open up your core rulebook. This is your Edge of the Empire core rulebook. In case you're listening to this uh, like six nine months from now, and they have two two core rulebooks out. <laughs> This is your Edge of the Empire core rulebook, page 79. All right. Rambos. Let's get into it. Did you know what Rambo's first name was? Never mind. You John. John. Of course. John of course Rambo. Of course it was John Rambo. Child of the 80s. F you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Questioning that. Oh, you were tired. I know. What was the Terminator's first name? T, T, T one thousand. No, the T three hundred. I know. Boom! What? Killing me, man. T one thousand. T one thousand. I just like the way he said T one thousand. T one thousand. Liquid metal. <laughs> All right, we're getting off subject. I'm sorry. It's my fault. <laughs> Mac. Okay. Mac to the chopper. Mac. I've got, I've got it. I've got. I think I've got it out of my system now. I don't know. Hey, Sally. Remember when I said I'd kill you last? I lied. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, mercenary soldier right. overview. What 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 do we need to know here? Screen wipe. Okay. You're a hired gun. You are. All right. So not only uh, is that your career by name, but it's a quite apt alternate description of your spec. <laughs> yeah. Really, you know, uh, while you're not tied to that as an ongoing profession, it's, you know, it's really never a bad place to start. And, 
you're going to build such a character, the mindset uh, should inform your role and your character creation uh, during character creation and advancement, you know? Um, and so basically, you know, you're uh, a combative badass. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, every man of a soldier trained with scores of weaponry, your mental and command abilities are, you know, those of a, seen, a seasoned soldier who's seen heavy combat and been on the thick of it quite a bit. So how'd you get the experience? Mm. Um, if you are hiring yourself out, what are your limits, you know? How much of a true mercenary are you? Or do you even have limits? Are there any jobs you won't take? Are you a man or a monster? You're not a bounty hunter, you know, so you don't have this code that you have to follow aside from your own internal code. So what is that code? Mm. You know, I see the the Merc soldier. Oh, oh God, I just got corrected in chat and it's killing me. My, I, I just lost 10 points off my fanboy cred card after that rant too. Oh my God. The T-800? It was the T-800. Oh. It's okay. I still like the way he said D-1000. <sighs> it's okay. Um, well, you know, I, I see, you know, I see like the mercenary soldier, speaking of Terminator, um, you know, Kyle Reese is like the, the, the perfect Merc soldier. Um, <laughs> I mean, he is, he, he's, he's, he's this, like, I see him as an expert in warfare. I mean, like, as we'll, as we'll see there, there's a handful of, of specific routes you can go with the mercenary soldier, but one of them specializes in helping allied fighters shake off trouble, push past the limits of stamina and, and really work better as a unit. And as such, this means that you could often be looked at as the de facto party leader when combat is your goal. Um, having said that, aside from a strong leadership uh, skill, you're, you're not a stellar social character. <laughs> no, you wouldn't um, think so. You know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't think so. I mean, you're, you're doing okay because you're gonna, as we'll talk about, you're probably gonna have a high presence. But, but it, by the same token, that's not your forte. You're you're a military leader, and that's your social arena. Um, in in, yeah. in terms of that. Yeah, so there. But you can also... As as a combatant... Yeah. Choose your weapon. Or, more importantly, don't choose your weapon. Yeah. You know, as, as okay, so we'll talk about this in a little bit. But the, the Merc is a character with uh, career skills in every single combat skill... That you'll find in Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion. Okay? Remember what he said earlier? Expert in warfare. The challenge for many, 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 many characters is going to be over-specialization. Mm. You know, ironically, if you, if you spec your character for general weapons usage, that's cool, but that's all you can do. That's where you're pumping your skill so, points, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a player who wants more diversity outside of just weapons options will probably want to to, to stick, you know, advancing a, a single combat skill. That's a really good point to consider. Yeah. Um, okay, so as far as your role in the party, like, I see the mercenary soldier as the man who's there for a fight. And, I mean, any any kind of fight. I mean, unlike the assassin who we talked about last episode, who's this real quiet and scary sniping shooter, 
you know, you're probably a very loud and charismatic leader on the battlefield. You have this, I, I see you having this, this grizzled presence and you, you inspire your allies to fight harder, be stronger. Um, beyond that, you are also a potential walking weapon um, who can be well-trained in any combative tactic out there. But in terms of your, your individual skills in that regard, you're going to do, unlike the assassin, more of your work up close. Um, and again, aside from shouting and bold in orders to, and morale boosts, you're not a terribly strong social manipulator. Um, another differentiator between you and the assassin is you tend to work well in a group, okay? Um, whereas assassins can often be solo. Um, and it's also worth noting that in space, your roles are pretty limited. You're, you're not the best in the cockpit. You're probably a decent gunner, but you, you, you just might excel as a ship commander, too, who leverages fire discipline action every round because uh, your leadership is going to be stellar, hopefully. Um, you can be a decent planetary wheel man, though. Uh, but as far as space combat goes, you know, you're going to be in a gun, and that's going to, you know, either that or on the comm, you know, shouting leadership words. Of encouragement and yeah, um, yeah. Think so. Casey Ryback. Thank you, thank you. So there, there you go. Okay, so all right. So generally, those are some things to think about as we start this discussion. But let's dig a bit deeper, Dave, and talk about you know some of the some of the core. Let's start with character creation, man. Characteristics, dude. The the six yes. physical, mental attributes of your character. What's important? Well, you know what. Uh, your primary characteristics, really, in 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 my opinion, going to be uh, kind of a toss up. Okay. Because you really need to plan where you're going to go with this character before you make the decision of what your primary characteristic needs to be. So, regardless, after you pick that primary, the other options are, that we're going to lay out should be your secondary choices by default. Okay, so we're going to go through potential primaries, but whatever you don't pick yes. your primary should be secondaries. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So you said it earlier that mm. uh, presence, yeah, is is the one we'll lead off with, and and you know if this is you know if 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 your idea you know or if you're enamored with the idea of of leading soldiers with a cigar in your mouth and saying I love it when a plan comes together, you know a little bit of charismatic stubble on your chin. Oh dude, yeah, I didn't even think about Hannibal. What a great perfect perfect mercenary soldier right there from from that one shtick. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The merc soldier dude is for you right here. So, uh it's got the talents to make discipline and leadership very very useful to you and those skills are keyed to presence. Mm. If that's your route, this one should be your primary. Presence by the way also governs Cool, which is important because aside from vigilance, this is one of the in a ways you're going to be determining your initiative order. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, and presence is governing cool. So it's just it's really, really fitting for a, a grizzled merc soldier, not to mention, you know, it's it's one of the you know, those initiative skills that I mentioned before and, and not a career skill for you. Uh, yeah, so, cool is not. Okay, so high presence shoring yeah. up the lack of ranks in cool, potentially. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, okay. Exactly. Um, so then there's agility. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, um, you know, what if you want to be a, a stand-up by, uh, stand-up fighter? You know, what if that's interesting to you? So, you know, a merc soldier can do that really well. You know, if your first action is to reach for a gun, 
whether it's a big gun, a small gun, or if it's mounted to a ship, then you should focus on agility. Yeah. You know? Um, but, you know, what about brawn? You know, brawn's a toss-up. I mean, when we think about those three potential primaries, like, brawn's in there because, like... Like, here's the thing. As, as we'll see, none of the Merc Soldier's talents lend themselves to excellence in hand-to-hand combat. Not like the Marauder, okay? Um, not even some of the general combat talents that can apply to both ranged and melee. Um, having said that, you know, you're you're not bad at it. I mean, you you know, they're, they're, you have career skills in both brawl and melee, so it, it's not it's not a bad decision to say, I want to be a melee fighter or a brawler as my mercenary soldier. I mean, it's not optimal, but so what? Uh, you know, you, you add to that the fact that brawn makes you tougher, which is a good thing for a soldier, and it's a solid choice. I mean, at, at the very least, you know, for your first secondary focus characteristic, and you know, as we've discussed before, brawn factors into your encumbrance threshold, and this is the character with a potential to carry both heavy and light ranged weaponry and melee weaponry, and and being able to carry stuff around for everything you're trained in is kind of nice. Um, also worth noting, Dave, <laughs> your spe- oh, you're going to bring up a Wookiee, aren't you? I, I am. Your, your, your species will play into this choice. No one is going to fault a Wookiee Merc soldier who focuses in brawn. They're naturally predisposed to it anyway, and thanks to the Merc skill selection, Wookiees in this spec can get two ranks in Brawl for free during character creation because they start with one for being a Wookiee, and they can pick up another one in the spec. Just saying. Um, so there's that. Okay. So those are three options for, for primaries and, and, you know, wherever you don't pick moves to secondary, what about some other solid secondary choices, man? Uh, okay. So solid secondary, you know, willpower, mm. because, you know, we mentioned before, um, you know, we talked a little bit about cool before this one governs, uh, vigilance, which is the other initiative skill. And this one is a career skill for you. Ah. So it's not that terrible. It's like, you know, it's a good solid secondary choice. Um, it increases your strain threshold too, which is, you know, fitting for your grizzled merc who never, never says quit. Word. Never says die. What? You never, you never say die and then you never quit. Isn't that how it goes? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll say this again and remember, remember, remember. It's, it's a hell of a lot harder to bump characteristics after character creation and when you finally are able to do it through dedication and you're probably not going to waste it on anything but your primary characteristic <laughs> so figure out what that is now now do it now i'm here do it now yes at character creation now okay now all right yes now now Yeah. What about skills, boys? I say skills with a Z. Damn skills. skills, Damn skills. Uh, You know, yeah. I mean, like any character, you got you got a set of starting career skills. I mean, let's 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 talk about them. What do what what should you take your free ranks in? What do you need to spend XP to gain ranks in? So hired gun skills. Um, You know, your your career is hired gun, and and your eight main career skills are going to be athletics, brawl, discipline, melee, piloting, planetary, range light resilience and vigilance in other words you're a tough mofo 
<laughs> you can run, jump, climb, shoot, drive, in Atmo at least, fence, fight, act fast and first, and shrug off harsh conditions. Um, unprompted, you should probably be taking free ranks in vigilance and discipline. Honing a soldier's instincts and mindset are kind of core facets to this character, regardless of your future shtick, which we'll talk about. Vigilance lets you be ready for the unexpected, and discipline lets you shrug off fear, which happens occasionally, but more importantly, it lets you recover strain after combat. Ding, and, ding, ding. and if you really are in the thick of it frequently, that's going to have to be important for you. Uh, after that, what other free ranks should be influenced by your uh, by you take should be influenced by your combative decisions? All right, what is your go to weapon? A rifle, a pistol, vibroaxe, truth and justice, which are the trademark names of your right and left legs. <laughs> you know, figuring that out will let you pad those appropriate skills. Um, you know, and some of those are going to be available now at career choice. Some will be available in a moment, as we'll see with spec. Um, if you really want to be a jack of all weapons, then take them all. Eventually. Um, but again, that's going to suck up like all of your free skill ranks. So, so consider it yeah. very, very, very tightly. Um, now, if you're settled on one main combat skill, uh, then consider resilience and athletics as good choices for that rugged, tough persona, especially if you've got a good brawn. Um, and as you advance, consider spending XP in any of these skills. Um, if, if you're a combatant, the appropriate combat skill is, is, is kind of a duh. But seriously... Seriously, if you're going this shtick, as we'll talk about, seriously consider saving that XP for advancing in leadership, as we'll come to. Because leadership's not a career skill. Um, it is spec skill, but it's not a, it's not a career skill, and it's important, as as we'll come to. Yes. So what about the right, so what you, about the spec skills, dude? Yeah. So you talked about the hired gun skills, and these are the mercenary soldier skills, and. Your four spec skills are discipline, gunnery, leadership, and ranged heavy. Hmm. So, first off, notice that only one skill gets represented twice. Discipline. Discipline, yeah. And that should probably be a good clue that it's worth taking again for the reasons we outlined above. Hmm. But honestly, you know, if it's... If it's going to be your shtick, this is where you take a free rank in leadership and then spend the XP to get to rank two. Yeah. You know, as we'll see, this, you know, this spec has so much awesome in the way of leadership that you want to get it as, as you know, as good as you can. Um, gunnery and ranged heavy are still solid choices, but they're going to be influenced by your combative or non-combative shtick, you know? And... You know, as you advance in your skill ranks, there's no real secret trick to to the skill advancement here. You know, I mean, you're going to push forward into the skills you've identified as your main use skills. Yep. Or tools, right? Unless, I'll you know, say unless, you're, you're, you're planning on being one of these jack-of-all weapons guys that we've talked about a couple of times. At that point, you pump, you know, a handful of XP into ranks in each of the combat skills, and, and you're proficient with anything, you know? And it's kind of cool to be... Commando, you know, Mr. Schwarzenegger himself, you know, commando in that tool shed. I don't know. There's something. <laughs> I, I think that's, um, that's absolutely awesome. Um, gunnery is a, is a, you know, it's an excellent advancement skill, too, you know. So, I mean, y y you probably won't take your free ranks in, in it, but, 
you know, and it's very useful to have uh, to be able to advance that skill over time. You know, so so you know, I guess what I'm saying is, don't forget about gunnery; it's there. Yeah, a lot of people forget about it. You know, don't, <laughs> um, just don't. So, okay, that that's skills, man. Talents, 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 talents. You know, we talked about skill choices being influenced by your shtick. So let's move on to those. As we do, we're going to look at the talents in the mercenary soldier tree. We're going to review the ones that seriously stand out, uh, the ones you should consider, and, and, and we're going to do so by talking about groupings of talents that work well together for two specific shticks or and or paths of most efficient travel down the tree that lead to a specific mercenary soldier archetype. And and the first one is what we lovingly call the squad commander. Um, this is the most iconic of the shticks for this specialization, and it's the one we've really been hinting at a lot. This 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 Hannibal, this this tough as nails, cigar chewing field leader who inspires his men and and pushes them through a fight. Um, this shtick is almost exclusively about leadership. So if you're going to go this route, and it's a pretty awesome route to go, that should be the skill that you really want to focus on. Um, this shtick leads you down the two left columns of the tree, four rows down, excluding the bottom row of the tree. We'll, we'll come back to the bottom row. That deserves some special mention. Um, so looking at these talents, man. Okay, second wind is fun. All right, you, you can grab two ranks in it for 15 XP very quickly. And basically, Dave, once an encounter as an incidental, as an incidental, you can recover strain equal to your ranks in the talent. Okay? Yep. Easy. Staying within this tree, that's 15 XP to be able to, once an encounter, get rid of two strain for free. That's nice. It might not be worth the 15 XP, however. It's, <laughs> especially when you consider the other talents that are next to and below it. Um, however, I will say it is a great dip for the other shtick we'll be talking about in a sec because it's one of the few ways to actively recover strain in combat without having to roll advantage and then waste it on strain recovery. So let's talk about command. Uh, command is a literal staple of this shtick. Uh, you can nab two ranks in it at 5 and 15 XP each, and each rank just 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 gives you a boost die on any leadership check you make. And, oh, oh, oh yeah, and any allies you affect with this talent, they get a boost die on any discipline checks they make over the next 24 hours. 24 hours. <laughs> so you use, leader, you use command, like, you get command, you, which, which you have a boost die when you're rolling leadership anyway. You roll leadership, you affect allies, and all of a sudden they're getting boosts on their discipline checks for the next 24 hours, which, of course, lets them shrug off fear better. But more importantly, oh, yeah, as we've said, reduce strain after combat. Um, yeah. But it's 24 hours game time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in, in world. So it's, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, command, utter greatness, take it. Don't skip it if you're going this shtick. Okay, you can you can you can skip second wins. Don't skip command. Now moving down, um, confidence. Confidence is nice, but in my opinion, it's really not worth 10 XP, and you don't have to take it. You can skip right past it on the tree with other creative talent selections. What it does is it lets you reduce the difficulty of any discipline check you make by one. Um, even if it's if it's, re if it's reduced to zero, you don't have to make the check. Um, you know, it was so. In other words, I mean, and and because 
because strain recovery is a simple check, you can't reduce difficulty at all. It's not going to help there. So it's really only useful in situational scenarios. You know, fear, obviously, but fear is not terribly common. Um, and your discipline is probably already pretty high anyway. So in my opinion, it has pretty limited uses for the cost. Um, I mean, you can save that XP and move on to better things, uh, which we're going to come to now, which are the best couple talents in this shtick, in my opinion, possibly in the stat block. Uh, excuse me, in the in the talent tree. Um, field commander and improved field commander. It's all about leadership. And as an action, you can make an average, average, that's two purple Padawans, two purple dice, an average leadership check. That's nothing. And if you succeed, a number of allies equal to your presence, another reason to have a boss presence characteristic, can immediately suffer one strain to each take a free maneuver. Free. Free. Doesn't even count against their maneuver limit on their turn. They could race to cover, aim, disengage, engage. Okay? And improved field commander makes this even better. You now affect the number of allies equal to double your presence characteristic value. And if you happen to generate a triumph, which you probably will, considering you're going to be ranked out on leadership, you can spend it to allow one ally to suffer his one strain and take a full action instead of a maneuver. Things like, you know, I don't know, shooting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fire the gun. Fire the gun. Use a force power, okay? Can you imagine how good this would be in a starship scenario? Where that, that, that out-of-turn action order matters so terribly much. You know, oh my god. I mean, think about this. With, with this active and open, if you're, a, when you're able to pull it off, which you should be able to easily, you can, you can structure it to where you can make your attacks. The pilot can fire off maybe a pilot-controlled weapon like a concussion missile and not have the maneuvers to maybe do evasive maneuvers, for example, or doesn't want to suffer the strain. Guess what? You give him a maneuver. All right, uh, you got that yeah. triumph, and you got improved uh, field commander. You know you can get pot shots in even when it's some, it's not somebody's turn. That's ridiculously huge. So I, I don't know. At, at fifteen and twenty XP respectively, these talents are expensive, but for this shtick, they are the most useful and powerful to you. So get them. Your party will thank you. Yes, they will. Um, topping it off, um, grit. At the bottom of, of this shtick, before you get into the bottom row, you know, it's grit. It's plus one to strain threshold. It's kind of a meh, considering it's 20 XP. That's where it sits in the tree. Um, but it's handy, but it's very expensive at this tier. Um, the thing is, though, it really is the gatekeeper, a talent for this shtick to get to the bottom row of the tree. You, you have to take it to get there. Because on this side of the tree, I mean, that's the, the only path you have, unless you want to go through the, the other side of the tree. So right. just think of it as a tax on being awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awesome tax. It's an awesome tax. Because you had a lot of awesome coming in, and the bottom of this tree, as we'll see, is filled with even more awesome. So just, just think of it as an awesome tax. Okay. All right. So I've jabbered enough about because mm-hmm. I, I love it. I've jabbered enough about the squad commander. I think it's a great shtick. Talk to me about the other side of the tree, the other shtick. All right, so since I am more of a... When I'm not playing a Vibrax-wielding Wookiee, I do enjoy my ranged combatants, and this we're going to call the Shooter. Hmm. This is the mercenary soldier that really embodies that hired gun uh, pellet of his career. He uses guns 
and he uses them well. <laughs> <laughs> the talons in this shtick apply to range light and heavy and serve to make you a superb gunfighter, but, you know, one that's still in the thick of things. I'm not talking about a sniper from way yeah. off, from shooting from afar. No. Point blank is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Two ranks at five, then 10 XP, and you add one point of damage per rank to any attack you make with ranged light or ranged heavy when short-ranged or when engaged. Mm, up close and personal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bam. One point per rank. That's not. That's nothing to sneeze at, guys. Especially for the cost. Uh, that turn. That, that make that makes a heavy blaster pistol more powerful than a carbine. Yeah. Um, sidestep is a great defensive talent, and this you know stick gets it for only five XP. It only appears once in the tree, so basically you suffer one strain per rank. One, if you stick to this tree, is as a maneuver to upgrade the difficulty of all incoming ranged attacks by the number of strain you suffered for a round. So, I mean, that makes it, to me, it makes it an excellent defensive talent. Yeah, man, like, when I first, I remember when I first read Sidestep, I was like, oh, dude, you have to spend a maneuver to do this? But then I read it's like, oh, oh it applies to all incoming ranged attacks. One strain to apply to all, which makes it to me even better than dodge. So I was like, "Oh hell yeah, okay, yeah." You know, and and uh, it's worth pointing out that this is probably a pretty good little dip for the squad commander stick. Five XP, hell yeah, yeah. Um, the strong arm is a unusual talent, uh, but you know, quite situational. You can you can build a lot off of it, but for uh, for ten XP, you. You treat thrown weapons as if they had one greater range increment. So basically, uh, any you know, thrown weapons now have a medium range, and that well, that's freaking awesome, actually. You know, <laughs> yeah, it is. Throwing knives, bolas, and I mean nets are fun, sure, but grenades <laughs> are thrown <laughs> weapons, by the way. <laughs> All right, and now. You're not throwing the shot put anymore. You're throwing a javelin, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you're tossing that sucker a country mile. But still, it's, you know, situational. Mm. Um, but again, this is your gatekeeper. You have to get it to advance in this particular stick. Okay. Because it leads to natural marksman, which is... The no-brainer talent for a ranged combatant. And what this is basically is once per session, re-roll any ranged light or ranged heavy check you make. Oops, I got a despair. <laughs> re-roll it. <laughs> you know what? Roll, you, you know, this is a particularly important attack. You got three yellows and you didn't roll a triumph. Well, re-roll it. Yeah. You know? I don't know. This is a fairly rare ability in the game, so don't discount it. it, uh, it dude, rerolls are very rare in this game. Yeah, you know, it just it doesn't happen all that often. Hmm. Um, now I, I said before this is not about being a sniper, but you know, just hear me out here. Sniper shot is attached to natural marksman. Yeah. You know, the uh, usability of this talent is up to you. 
you know, if you're all about point blank and, you know, constantly staying short and engaged rain while you fight, well, this is a little bit less useful. But uh, what it really does let you do is perform a maneuver to increase the range of a weapon by one for a single shot. So if you find yourself in a situation, you can lengthen that range band. But it also upgrades the difficulty of the shot by one. True, true. Very useful for a holdout blaster. Which has a yeah, short, which has a that. short range. I mean, so if you got to act now, and that's all you got, yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't apply to hold the thrown weapons, by the way, which is uh, why strong arm is there. Mm. So, I mean, is this useful to you? Maybe that's six. It's fifteen XP. Mm. You know, bear that in mind. You don't have to take it to get further down the tree. So, you know, again, it's situational. If you, you know, if you think you'll have a use for it, plan it out. You might. Mm. Um. Toughened is next, and this is a lot like grit, in my opinion. It, it's expensive, it's 20 XP talent, but if you're in the thick of it very often, plus two to your wound threshold is not too shabby. And, you know, if you're ignoring sniper shot, it may be a must-have because you've got to continue in the tree. Well, no, it is a must-have because you have to continue in the tree. Yeah. You know, both... You know, it and sniper shot will lead to lethal blows, which we talked about last episode. Plus 10 to your crit percentage rolls is not insignificant. No, it's nice. Yeah, it's nice to have, you know. Single rank of it in this tree is 20 XP. It's a Mm. little bit rough, but, Mm. you know, on this side of the shtick, again... It's that gatekeeper. It's the tax that you have to pay to get to the bottom of the tree. So, you know, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the bottom of the tree. <laughs> um, the bottom tier. Uh, it, we felt it was worth calling out on its own because it's just that full of awesome. Now, <laughs> Dave, it's worth noting, though, that three of the four talents on that bottom row, that, that fifth tier, really fit the shooter shtick more than the squad commander, but even the squad commander can really benefit from them. Okay. Um, true aim. My God, true aim. What an amazing talent. I would pick this over dedication any day of the week. Um, it appears twice on this row, twice at 25 XP a piece. And what it lets you do is once per round, you can spend a maneuver to true aim prior to making a combat check. You gain the normal benefits of aiming, a boost die, and you get to auto-upgrade your dice pool once per rank of the talent. So, dedication versus true aim. (laughs) It's like, okay, I either add a green or I turn one more of my green into a yellow. Um, oh, oh, I've got it twice. Uh, yeah, two of my greens into two yellows. That is yeah. huge. It's expensive, but huge. Well worth it. I mean, basically, it's, it's, it's the aim maneuver, but now grants you a boost die and two free upgrades if you max out. That, that is disgustingly awesome. That's, that's hu- huge. Double huge. Double huge. Um, deadly accuracy. It's off to the left side. We discussed this last episode with the assassin. It lets you pick a combat skill and add damage to attacks with that skill equal to the ranks you have in that skill. So, you know, I got three ranks in ranged heavy. I make a ranged heavy attack. I add three to my damage. It's nice, and it fits well with the shooter shtick especially. 
but it is a long 100 XP journey across the bottom row to the left to get to it from the shooter sticks side of the tree. Um, having said that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, your squad, your squad commander can benefit from it tremendously, but it's really going to fit into that, that shooter mold, but it's, it's going to take a bit to get there. Um, and of course, on the bottom tier, we have dedication. It's sandwiched between the two true aims, um, which actually means that either stick will have to take at least one of the true aims to get there. It's not directly accessible from the fourth row. That doesn't happen very often. Um, it kind of that, that kind of sucks. You actually have to spend twenty five XP on another fourth row talent to get then get to dedication or another fifth row talent to get to dedication on the fifth row. Now one of those talents is going to be true aim, so that doesn't suck too bad. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but you know, all the same, it, it, it kind of is what it is. So, so there's that. All right, so there's the talents, man. There's the talents and the sticks. Mindset. Mm. You're a merc. Hopefully, we've given you guys some good advice on what your varying roles can be, how you can maximize those roles as usefulness. But beyond that, what are some good tidbits to consider as you role play this character? Mm, I have an idea. ID8. Yes. All right, so tap into your obligation or duty or motivation. Oh, gosh, that sounds terribly familiar. <laughs> yes, yes. Arguably, of course, you know, these things are going to inform the mindset and the role-playing actions of your character more than anything else. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Regardless of what your obligation is, you know, does it tie into your career as a merc? Okay, so what about duty-bound or family or oath? Those are kind of fun. Mm. Mandalorians are the perfect example of mercenary soldiers with a duty-bound or family obligation. Is there a mercenary creed you've developed with your GM and you want to live by? I don't know. Uh, what about debt or bounty? Do you owe somebody money? Is this how you're raising the money to pay off your debt? Mm. You know? Uh, along the same vein, what about favor or blackmail? Are you being coerced into working with your current outfit or with the PCs? Do you owe your life to someone? So now he's your commander. Do you serve with fighting force because you're being blackmailed to do so? I don't know. These are all questions. It's mm, a good story. Um, yeah. I mean, from a duty perspective, you know, mercenary soldiers fit beautifully into the rebellion. Don't you think? I mean, the, the yeah. concept of the duty mechanic really, really fits their mindset. Yeah, it it really does. Um, I mean, and like as a merc, what aspect of duty are you concerned with? You know, what do you what do you care about? I mean, there's some things that don't necessarily make a whole lot of. I mean, you know, it's not like all oh, mercenary soldier. I care about tech procurement <laughs> um, yeah. or resource acquisition. But when you're talking about stuff like combat victory, that's huge. Even things like um, uh, like personnel or recruiting, you know, with your leadership aspects, that can be a huge deal. And obviously, sabotage, space superiority, um, you know, things like that are going to be a, also another natural fit. Um, but the entire mindset of the merc, it can really be shoehorned into any type of duty mechanic, any duty choice you really want uh, creatively. Um, I mean, this is one of those Edge of the Empire specializations that fits ridiculously well in the Age of Rebellion book and game. So, yeah. Yeah, you got to go in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, what are some of the best motivations for a merc, you know, to tie into his obligation or duty? You know, maybe, you know, ambition? That's relatively straightforward. Yeah, I mean, you want to be the best, right? I mean, it's kind of, you know, we talked a little bit about this, you know, when we were talking about the assassins. You know, you want to be the best. You can't rest until you're the best. Maybe you just want to make money. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) you know. Um I don't know. What about the just the novelty of hiring out to different groups of fighters, you know? I mean Wanderlust. Yeah. Dude, what that's that's Wanderlust. That's a know? meaty motivation for a merc right there. Yeah. Um you know, similar to we're talking about duty, you know, if you're going with motivation like and you have a cause uh to fight for, I think that also fits well into the role too. And it can inform a lot about the mindset. I mean it, it, you could be fighting for any cause. Uh you know, the rebellion, your family, your friends um, your, your mercenary clan. I mean, there, there's, there's all kinds of things that could push you into this role um, and make for a really interesting character. Uh, what about a relationship? You know, I mean, that, that ties into oath or duty bound or, you know, um, you know you're, you're born into a family of soldiers or, you know, you're tied to a clan of, of mercenaries. I mean, it's, Man- Mandos, again. I mean, your, your, yeah. your classic Mando is going to have the obligation of, like, duty bound and the motivation of relationship. I mean, that, that's, that's, you know, a relationship to family or, or, or your clan. I mean, that, that's the classic Mando mindset. And, uh, you know, for players looking to, to, to grind that ax, uh, out on, out on a character sheet. Hell yeah. But I think like bottom line, Dave, th- these things should be the primary enforcement of your mindset and the RP choices you make as a mercenary soldier. Now, beyond yep. that, you know, wrapping up the discussion, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about Schwarzenegger, we've talked about, we've talked about Commando, we've talked about the Terminator, we've talked about Rambo, we've talked about the A-Team. There's a couple unsung fanboy archetypes that I think really illustrate two divergent mindsets, uh, which tend to go along with the shticks to a lesser extent, um, of the Merc. The first one I call the Mal. In other words, the Malcolm Reynolds. Um, to me, <laughs> Firefly done. You know, Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. He he personifies the mercenary soldier or a specific type of mercenary soldier. He is a hired gun. He is a captain and he is a leader. And he, you know, despite his escapades, um, when cornered, uh, inspires, affects, and leads his people easily and to great success he's stand up in a fight but his greater strength is in leading the people who who serve him and report to him now you can you contrast this i'll stay in the firefly universe you contrast this with the other dichotomous archetype of the mercenary soldier and that would be the jane ah cobb <laughs> yes 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 jane cobb another example of mercenary soldier but in a completely different mindset and vein you're not the brightest bulb in the hollow projector but you can fire any gun that exists you know how to hand to hand and do ship-based weaponry and you're a tough brute that can kick serious ass at the expense of any social grace or the remote ability to inspire others around you um both of these characters that aren't even Star Wars characters are great examples of a mercenary soldier mindset just implemented differently. Both of these characters could be created following this exact same career and specialization, just with different skill selections, different talent choices. And that's that, that dichotomy that can exist here. 
So two extreme examples out there for you guys to possibly chew on and, and set up your mind frames and what to think about. Um, but that's the mercenary soldier. Um, I, I really, I really think it's a great, uh, a great spec. Um, I think it's one of the more uh, powerful and interesting specs out there that you can do a lot with from a combat perspective, uh, specifically. Um, as I'm, as I told you earlier, I'm building the, uh, I'm building that Inglorious Rebels, you know, campaign. And obviously, there's there's a mercenary soldier in the group. I also threw a mercenary soldier into the uh, into Forgotten, the the Amnesia game, which I'm obviously writing right now for our Kickstarter backers um, for uh, November delivery. And uh, you know, it's just like going through. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Th- that was just a fun pre-gen to make. Uh, was the mercenary soldier in the group? So yeah, it's just uh, it's full of win. Full of win, chock full of win. Chock full of win. You know what is also chock full of win? Huh. Is becoming a member of the Gamer Nation. Yes, and you can do it by visiting us at d20radio.com slash forums. Go up there, register, and as we always say, post your mind. We've gotten a lot of new forum registrations here lately, and I, I dare say it's because... A new game is out. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, with the, uh, with the expanse of uh, Fantasy Flight, and the, you know what the great thing is, is looking at our podcast numbers, we haven't lost much of our original Saga audience. They've a lot of them translated over, mm-hmm. and we've picked up so many more of the Fantasy Flight players that uh, that are you know are now finding us and listening to our show and and. And it's fantastic to build the community a little bit more. And, and uh, you know, if you guys are not involved and you want to be involved and you want to talk to some genuinely good people because we, you know, we have a great community in place. We really There's, do. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I really saw a flame more that mattered. Um, it's been years. And years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, yeah, you know, some people push each other's buttons. That happens from time to time. Not a big deal. But it's, you know. Well, it is it is just such a positive community. You know, there's spirited debate as there always is with good communities, but it's never malicious. Well, that's why people join the community for spirited debate. Yes. Half the time. So yeah. You guys check it out. D twenty radio.com slash forums. And uh and you know, just go up there, introduce yourself and post a question and then you'll be surprised at how many answers you get. And the number of people that just kinda peruse the threads and post when something strikes their fancy so yeah um aside from that dude you know leave us a line or tell us why you never listen to the order 66 podcast call us 262 d20 radio that's 262-320-7234 questions yes. or email us email us too by the way i forgot about that yes gm chris at d20radio.com or gm david d20radio.com Um, and yes, yes. Email us, call us, go to the forums, questions, questions, questions. And we want show topics. Obviously we have a, we have a plethora of them right now. Um, especially in the vein of, well, isn't that special? You guys have been pouring through the requests, but I want impassioned, please tell me why it's important that we talk about something. And seriously, guys, if, 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 uh, if you really want us to cover something because it means something to you in the short term, you know, God, I really want to make this character. I need it for a game in the next couple of weeks. You know, I need you to talk about this now. We could really use it. That's the kind of stuff that I will eat up with a silver spoon. Um, you know what? Austin Catan's in the in the chat room and asking when he gets his new color for the Kickstarter backers, and I completely forgot to do that. 
Why don't you take care of that, buddy? So I'll put that on my agenda for. I got to go through that. Do you remember? Did you ask for uh, for names? I certainly in, uh, in the absolute, Kickstarter survey. I absolutely did. Well, then that'll make things easy. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will put that on my list to be done by the end of the week. Excellent, excellent day. Ah, well, it's that time. Time to walk up the street with your bag over your shoulder. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. Um, again, a big thanks to uh, for, for obviously for the meat of tonight's show. Uh, big thanks to the three people who really wanted us to talk to about it. Uh, Fango, Way Put Your Weapon, and Angelic Doctor. Uh, we got a host of other show topics out there. Uh, some related to, well, isn't that special, where you guys are really going on to it. We have a few other things, too, that are on the docket, and we're kind of considering where to put them in. We've had requests to talk about um, uh, 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 weapons modifications. We could do an entire show around that, uh, something a lot of people want. Uh, also, people are asking us to really delve into some more of the role-playing and game-structuring aspects of the system, how to run effective uh, uh, one-shot or, or episodic modules. Um, these are all things that we are considering, but uh, ultimately your voices are going to tell us what comes on the docket next because we have a lot to talk about. So tell us what! By golly. You steer this ship. You're at the helm. We just... Just take the parking brake off. Just you, please take the parking brake off. <laughs> is that Christine Chester in chat? It is from Fanboy Comics. You know, I got to tell you, sweetheart, you're the only one who actually posted a review that we gave a copy of Eons to at Gen Con. Aside from Tom Vassell, but you can always you can always count on him. This this is true. I just I just I just want to say that. All right, we are two and a half months away from Gen Con now, <laughs> and I'm just I don't don't think I didn't notice. <laughs> Thank you, Christine. And thank you, Gamer Nation, for listening. We will be back at you in a couple weeks. And until then, keep it real. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice rolling. This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. show. first-time posters in chat, like a first-time new listeners. It's really awesome. 
I know okay, it, man. I really, I know it. We've got a lot of new people in Echo Base right now watching Simulcast Live. Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello. Um, howdy. Howdy. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Oh, and and the good and the good news is you've been treated to a not very common occurrence of non-surly Dave. I know Dave has been very pleasant. It's, it's I know, a, I, dude, I, dude, I, dude, dude. Did you get laid? No, 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 <laughs> dude, no, 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 no. <laughs> that uh, that doesn't happen in our house. We're no. we're we're married. We're we're married. Uh, been married for more than seven years. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's uh, it uh, I can count it on my I can count on it for my birthday. You know, so oh well, that, that's that's four months away. So I'm looking for I'm already counting down the days. But uh, um, oh yeah, I um, you know I uh, I I really am happy actually, and I, I and I, I said that at the end of the show for a reason because I have noticed all the uh, all the new forum names that I've been approving here of late. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know somebody who ran one of your campaigns wanted to change their name to Whistler? <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you already had a Whistler registered, though. <laughs> I'd, I've had, I've had, I've had uh, 13 people or, or, or so play Whistler at this point, so I'm curious to know who it is. Um, oh, God, those have been fun. So, I mean, yeah, some of our new listeners might not remember but or not have heard yet, but, you know, back around August, we, we ran a short Kickstarter to... Uh, uh, raised, you know, honestly, you know, a little bit of cash to fund the podcast for the coming year, pay for server costs, licenses, um, some new equipment, some stuff like that. And we raised a lot more than we uh, thought we were going to, um, to the tune of about 1,400% more than we thought we were going to. Yeah, just a little bit, um, you know. Uh, or, hey, no, shout me. out to Bomberman, by the way. New Zealand, you don't get any, North, North Island or South Island. Don't wait for the translation. Answer me now. <laughs> that's got to be that's got to be close to Philippines. No, it's going to be a little bit uh, further than uh, Philippines time. There, I was thirteen hours ahead of you guys when I was in the Philippines. There wow. was like fifteen. It's four thirty p.m. where he is. That's crazy. That's crazy. I know, man. But yeah, so we we raised all this money from the Kickstarter, and so we were like, well, gosh, what are we going to do with all this money? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, it was like fourteen thousand dollars, and. Um, we figured out what to do with all that money, um, which is Gamer Nation Con. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So, yeah. Um, I am so stoked for the convention. I'm anxious to meet our listeners. Uh, you know, we've, we've already got a lot of people that are coming out. Uh, and uh, it's going to be uh, 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 it's going to be completely epic. Uh, I'm, I'm hyping it up. I'm hyping it up. You all better not disappoint me. That's all I'm saying. I know a lot of a lot of our <laughs> listeners, and you know, already you know, are, we're part of the backing, you know, of Kickstarter, and so you know, those of you that are listening that are going to be coming probably already have your um, your tickets. But um, if you have not, um, there's a few groups here local to Dallas, you know, the DFW Role Players and DFW Nerd Night that have gotten a hold of it, and. Um, so the tickets are going pretty quick. So if you haven't, if you're listening to the show and you're you're on the fence and you know you're you're somewhat local and you can make it out to the con, you know, jump on our website and and uh, and take a look and see what you uh, see what you uh, can do to attend. We'd certainly love to have you. And then uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, book your hotel as well because that uh, 
not only does it help us by by opening up that extra room within the hotel as long as we you know book the the number of of, of rooms that we need um you know it also i don't know it's it's to me it's like a gesture of good faith right that that uh you know that we've uh we brought this hotel on board saying hey we're going to have all these gamers show up and then we really want to have the gamers show up <laughs> <laughs> um even if you don't, even if you're not local or semi-local, come anyway. Flights to Dallas are not expensive, and hotel stay here is. It's not like it's not like we're in downtown Dallas. It's in Plano, Texas, which is like a northern suburb of Dallas. So hotels are very exp- inexpensive, and um, fun family-esque con. I guarantee you, we'll have a great time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's great. I'm I'm, I'm going to be meeting people that I normally don't see uh, except for Gen Con time. And I'll be meeting people I know that have already bought tickets that I've never met before, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited for the auction on Sunday. I really want to do that. Um, I, ah, I, I absolutely love it. Um, we've got all these. We talked about this before. We got all these donations uh, from game companies uh, and, and for gaming accessories, board games, all kinds of stuff. And every event that you play or run at the con will earn you XP. Um, which are chips that you keep on you. And these will be the currency that will be used in the auction. So there won't be any actual money involved. Just your participation at the convention uh, will garner you the the, the uh, convention money in the form of XP to walk away with a whole bunch of free swag, uh, you know, games, gaming accessories, books, RPGs, minis, dice, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, somebody, somebody shouted Slugfest games in the... In the chat, yeah, God, we've got. They, I know, I know God. Red Dragon Inn is sitting in there. They gave uh, us, they gave us like every Red Dragon Inn product they have that they had, yeah. Uh, just for that, if you guys haven't played that, that's an awesomely fun game. Um, I'm I'm wicked excited about that. So we haven't announced it up yet on the site, and I know for, for GamerNationCon.com, but I know we're going to soon, Dave. But there's a couple other things that I was really excited about that we're going to be doing with the convention, and one of them I know involves the Ronald McDonald House. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we are getting ready to announce that, and we haven't finalized the charity that we're going to be taking, um, that we're going to be raising funds for. We have a real good idea of where we're going, but we just haven't finalized it. So I'm not, I don't want to announce that just yet, but we are going to be taking donations of gently used or new wrapped games because I I do a. Um, you know, on on the on the third Sunday, I think of every month. Basically, there's there's a uh, there's a group that I mentioned before called DFW Nerd Night, um, and the Nerd Nighters they call themselves now, right? And so we gather once a month at uh, Jay Gilligan's in Arlington, which is between Dallas and Fort Worth, and it basically it starts at four with the kids, and then about six the guys, you know, the the guys and gals start trickling in, and there's games to be had everywhere. Basically taking over Jay Gilligan's for a, for a gaming night. Board games, they had a... And, and this is what made me halfway sick about being in Austin this weekend. They set up, daisy-chained together, eight computers and ran Artemis all night. That's wicked. Yeah. If you guys haven't done Artemis, Artemis is that spaceship bridge simulator. It's freaking awesome anyway they, they they put those computers network together um and from all accounts had a blast and yeah so i missed it and i was very you know unhappy to miss that and then consequently the next day is ronald mcdonald 
and I miss that. So what we do at Ronald McDonald is we go out and we set up and we play games with the families who are there staying in the Ronald McDonald house. And usually, if you're in the Ronald McDonald house, it means that you have a child who is very ill or going through some kind of medical procedure. Very ill. Yeah, and you can't necessarily afford to stay in a hotel long term because some of these kids, we don't ask why they're there. That's one of that's that's like rule number one for the nerd nighters. Nobody asks why they're there. A lot of the parents are more than willing to share their stories unprompted. However, we never, never, never ask. And one of the things about it is that it's 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 uplifting. My daughter. Um, Taylor and uh, and some of her friends who are in National Honor Society here at the that uh, at their high school go with me because it counts as volunteer credit for them because they have to do ninety hours of community community service before they graduate in order to get the cords you know that they wear for the National Honor Society on their uh, you know on their cap and gown. Awesome. And so uh, Taylor looks forward to this every month, you know, and and she brings two friends that are both in the uh, National Honor Society, and go. we go to Ronald McDonald's house. We set up. We play games with the families, in some cases siblings of the kids that are in the hospital. And long story short, we take our own games because the game library that they have set up at the Ronald McDonald's house, it's a very nice room for, for the playroom. It's set up by Southwest Airlines. There's like actual airline seats in the room and all that. It's really cool. The problem is... They have like a beat-up box of Monopoly and Scrabble that's missing all kinds of letters. Yeah. You know, and it's beat up. And, and the, the game library is just, it's just, you know, it's nothing. So what I've decided, and I kind of did this, you know, I kind of did this spur of the moment um, yesterday and then shot you guys an email to say, hey, why don't we take donations at the convention? And, you know, people who have games that they don't play very often or, you know, are not complicated games that, you know, they, 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 they've moved on to, you know, higher strategy games. And they can afford to part with the Star Trek version of Monopoly, for example. <laughs> you know, bring it and, and donate it and then we will take it to the Ronald McDonald House. I believe it's going to be the weekend following Gamer Nation Con that will be... At the, uh, at the Ronald McDonald house. So we can go, we can give them all these games and it's going to, you know, and it's, you know, that's it, you know? So, um, that, that's, that's one of the facets. The other one is, uh, you know, is just flat out, you know, tip jar at the door and say, Hey, you know, our, the charity that we're going to, that we're going to partner with is, you know, I don't know yet. Well, we're, we're finalizing a couple, a couple on the list right now. So, um, yeah. Either way, we're also working with some other gaming organizations here to see if we can't do something joint. So more forthcoming on that. But I'm I'm very excited about that. I uh, we we are legion, damn it. And if we can help people, we should. So that you know, I I'm 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 all for it. Um, I have um, you, you talked about Artemis earlier. Yeah. Um, I like to point everyone else uh, to a game. Um, I do not know if it exists on uh, Android platform, but I know it exists for iPhone and iPad. Uh, and it is a little game called Space Team. Uh, uh, Space Team, one word. It is free. It is not as serious and as simulationist as Artemis, but it allows people with uh, you know, iDevices to all Bluetooth connect together and do this sort of 
spaceship crashing bridge simulation and it's done in like 8-bit awesome graphics and uh very retro and old school with a great soundtrack and like you have a control panel in front of you that has different switches for different made-up types of uh, uh uh ship controls on it and your partners uh, in this are getting messages up uh beneath their own control panel of completely different controls of things that you need to do on your controls and they're shouting them at you and you're shouting them at them and you guys have to complete your stuff in timeliness or the ship starts to fall apart and break up. And it is epic. If you guys uh, have not checked out space team, go check it out. Cause it's free. I just thought I'd point that out. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun, it's a really fun thing to do between games or whatever. It's just, uh, it's uh and if you don't watch it it'll it'll wind up consuming a little bit more time than you had originally planned yeah we were like hey let's try this out and 30 minutes later it was like oh my god um the other thing i'm excited for about the con uh this is selfish but the eons tournament baby oh yes oh yes i know a lot of our listeners um have are familiar with our sister company uh gamer nation studios uh, where, you know, we basically, Dave and I started a board game company on the side. You know, we, we produced our second title uh, right before Gen Con. Um, uh, we had kickstarted it in the spring, uh, which was Eons, which we've talked about ad nauseum. Uh, but we are going to be having the first Eons tournament. So if you are an Eons holder, brush up on your skills, baby, because, oh yeah, it's on. It's on. And you're going to have to face my wife, who will destroy you. It's and on like Donkey Kong. If you destroy her, I'll high five you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that going on. But I don't know. So, dude, what Gamer Nation Studios? We have another game uh, that is going to be going to Kickstarter in the next couple weeks. Yeah, originally we had slated it to launch today, and um, well, the video's not ready for it, and I. Uh, I think we do. We just need to get a little bit more gameplay footage. We got some stuff at Gen Con that uh, it just didn't. It wasn't up to snuff, let's just say. Not, so, yeah, uh, from a footage perspective, no. But we, we, we ran a huge playtest event for this at Gen Con this year. Um, yeah, we had a whole ton of people show up and, and got a lot of good feedback. And it actually took us in a new, um, you know, new direction. Not really a new direction, just tweaked a few things. Uh, and I, when I say us, I didn't have any direct involvement in the game. Uh, Brev and Chris pretty much are, are the two on this one. Yeah, this, and, is, this uh, is Brev's baby, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm the associate designer. So yeah, it's uh you know yes, it's them goblins. They're talking about it in chat. Yes, we had to we had to nerf the goblins. Yeah, and we found a good way to do that um, rather easily, and it's rather balanced. We've done a lot of playtesting, but the game is called Pillage, and uh, I don't know if we actually said that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're you're you are you know playing the different players are different groups of monsters that are actually pillaging a village, like a, a civilized settlement of nice people. Um, and you know, competing against each other to pillage the most, and it's a uh, it's a it's a deck drawing game, uh, and it's fast and furious, and takes about twenty minutes to play, uh, and and uh, a lot of fun. And I'm yeah. really pleased with our art. Oh, we found a great artist. Yes, uh, dude, it's it's it plays solo up to four players. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are the base game that we're going to go to Kickstarter with has three different towns. Uh, we, we're calling them pillage packs. I don't know if that's going to be the final name of them or not, but um, 
They are locations in the fictional world of Evenia. And those three locations are of varying difficulty. Basically, they have more, you know, as you go higher in difficulty, there are more things, people. Tougher, more defenders. You know, angry mobs. Yeah, tougher yeah, defenders, worse fortifications. Yeah. Exactly. So more things will fight back and be in your way as, you, as the game gets harder. One of the cool things about the game is that you can create your own deck based on the decks that are already present in the game. In fact, we ran one playtest at Gen Con where we combined all the decks together. Yeah, that game lasted a while, but obviously it, it would. Yeah, it did. It did last for a while. But it was like it was like um, nightmare mode. Like we had two players, like one player got knocked out completely. Um, yep. uh, all his monsters died, which is understandable it's done with that level of nightmare. And uh, uh, two of the other players only had one monster alive at the end. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And so we've got we you know the the goal for it is pretty lofty. Um, you know we're gonna go we're gonna go to Kickstarter with a twenty thousand dollar goal. Um, but here's some of the you know three pillage packs. There's the four races of monsters with three classes each. And very quickly, you'll notice that we're going to add content to the game if we can, you know, hit our goals and hit our stretch. You know, we're going to, I think the first thing we're going to, you know, look at is, is uh, putting another class of monster in, right? So you have four classes to choose three monsters from. So that gives yeah. you a little bit of flexibility in terms of strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, then we'll add another race of monsters. Then we'll add another class. We'll add another location, add a fifth location, you know. Basically, as as our Kickstarter expands, we're going to expand the game. We found this we found this to be very successful with Eons. You know, instead of you know, like Edition Wars, you know, we're going to give you a bag, we're going to give you some dice, we're going to give you things unrelated to the game. Yeah, it's like no, the and, if, if stretch goals, more game, more. Yeah, exactly. So by the end of this thing, what I envision is. If we get enough Kickstarter backers to send us to 200% a goal, what I think is, and what I know, is that we'll be able to afford to give you 200% of game. You know, I mean, maybe not quite 200%, but close. We'll be able to, instead of the, instead of the base game having three pillage packs, um, it'll have six. Four, maybe you know, five, uh, five four. Or six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, four, four races three classes of monster and and three pillage packs. You'll wind up with like five pillage packs, five races of monsters, five classes, and then, you know, four or five heroes that are like these big boss fights oh, that, that, that will come out. That's what, yeah. that's what excites me the most. Is, is I know it's one of the loftier goals out there, but the addition of a true nightmare mode where you add heroes to the game, that these, these like you say, boss fights that can come out and, and totally wreck you. Um, I, I like it, but... Very excited by this prospect, and and I'm uh, obviously guys. We're going to post up when the Kickstarter goes live. You'll be able to see gameplay footage. You'll be able to see some of the art, the graphics, get a, a full glimpse at the rules, um, and see how the game plays. And uh, uh, think you'll enjoy it. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. So what what would you call this? I mean, like like so if 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 Edition Wars was our freshman title and Eons was our sophomore title, what what do we call this? Because the junior title doesn't doesn't make sense. Yeah, Junior's like the junior senator from New York. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's just I don't I don't like that. We we can call this our sophomoric title. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny. 
I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, we could call this our Visigothian title. I don't know. I really don't know. I haven't given it much thought. You know, the the freshman effort, the sophomore effort, and then the next effort. You know, I mean, that's the yeah. ne- the next effort. Yeah, that's right. It's the next evolution. It's simply a new plane of existence. <laughs> uh, well, either way, guys, keep your keep your eyes glued to the Facebooks. Follow us on Twitter. Um, we will let you know. It's going to be exciting. We could call it the third wheel, the third rail, <laughs> the third. We call it the Ender, the third. <laughs> yes, the, the trifecta. This creates a trifecta of games. Because oh. I can't resist a gambling reference. Yes, I know. I know you can't. <laughs> oh. oh well, guys, I, I I have got to call it. I am tired, and I have to work early. All right. Episode titles, anyone? Oh, I think we had an excellent one. Uh, I love it when a specialization comes together. (laughs) That's good. I think that's a winner. (laughs) All right, Gamer Nation. Good night. And good luck.